Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of AGP. As always, I am the ravenous Amanda Gillum, your hostess that always brings you the best that there is in geekdom, whether it's books, comic books, just people who want to have fun, or even events that are going on. Now, today, I am very honored to bring you somebody that I personally got to meet back in, what was it? I believe it was March when we got to do Gem City Comic Con, and we had this wonderful meeting, and he had this amazing book that I saw, and really intrigued me to start off with, and I would like everybody to welcome this guy. His name is Mr. Rob Bowley. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am great. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. I am really glad that we were able to bring this together because we had started talking back at Gem City, and you are right on key. You're like, I found you on Twitter. I found you on Facebook. <laughs> you. I want to do this. I'm like, all right, this works for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I follow up. I don't mess around. <laughs> no, you don't. Now, of course, like I was saying, he had this amazing book that really caught my eye, and it was called The Risen Snow. And this book is Take Your Land of Fairy Tales. Obviously, the word snow means that we're going to be talking a little bit about Snow White here, and The Risen means we're bringing in zombies. It is a zombie Snow White book. <clears throat> Where in the world did you even come up with that idea? Um, well, when my, my daughter is uh, nine now, when she was about four or five, um, she really uh, she got into watching uh, the original uh, Snow White, the Disney version, and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And she, she just got obsessed with the movie, which is funny because the first, the first time she watched it, it, it scared the hell out of her. Um, people, people, like, we like to talk about, like, the Disneyfication of all the, the fairy tales, but um, those, those early Disney movies actually have some pretty creepy, creepy stuff going on. They're, they're, they're kind of brutal, and uh, the, the scene where snow is, like, running through the forest, and there's these gnarled tree hand shapes coming after her, and it, it really, really spooked the poor kid, but, um, but she loved it. Like, she loved it, and we, we watched it, you know, time and time again. So probably over the course of a month, I saw this movie more than a dozen times, and uh, I'm I'm the type that if I see something enough times, I'm just going to start to see to see the darkness in the in the cracks. And um, I just I just had this uh, this thought just popped in my head, like um, mainly it was it was kind of you know why why would you go through all the trouble to make a curse and and have it be so easily broken just by a kiss? Wouldn't it be so much more? Um, insidious if you if you had that kiss actually be the catalyst for something even worse like a like a second more viral stage of the curse and uh and then it just you know popped to my head like you know what if snow woke up as a zombie and um and i i pictured it as a little a little one-off you know short story probably but once i sat down to start writing it and playing around with these characters um it just it just kept going, and uh, and I realized that it was it was going to be. At first, I thought it would be a trilogy, and then it it kind of got away from me, and now it's it's going to be a series of uh, nine books. Nine books, wow! Yeah. <laughs> and at this point, you actually have four, but they're all in ebook form at this point. Um, that would be starting with the Risen Snow. From there, we go to um, that Wicked Apple. Then uh-huh. that rabbit moon, and then that malicious storm. Right, and and uh, in the in the third one, that ravenous moon. That's when we introduce uh, little uh, little Red Riding Hood werewolf mashup. The fourth book brings in uh, Phantom of the Opera and um, and Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And then uh, the fifth book, which will be out in October, that's going to introduce uh, Goldilocks, Goldilocks and the Mummy. Um, and by the time by the time the series is all done, I will have used all of the the major um, Universal Pictures horror horror monsters. Um, I grew I grew up watching those movies on Saturday mornings, and uh, I just I love I love that era. I love I love all those monsters, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Wolfman. Um, so I once I started using a few of them, 
I was like, you know what? I might as well just do them all. And and it actually worked perfectly with the story. And every for every character I had in the story, there was a monster that kind of that worked that kind of paired up with it. So it it, it um, it's really interesting how it, it all it all just played out really really perfectly. Or at least it is in my head. <laughs> well, I guess we'll see. You know, you're you're already making me think because we know we're talking a little bit about some of the old Disney movies and now Universal Monsters, and I'm just like, oh, the Little Mermaid, I want to be part of your oh crap, it's the creature of the Black Lagoon, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can just see these, of course, but I think that's because I have a sick, twisted mind just like yours. I'm a major horror fan, and I think it comes from the fact that I actually have a bathroom that is decorated all in Cthulhu with one Little Mermaid statue sitting in there. I actually have a um I DIY'd this little uh Cthulhu toilet paper holder just, just a few months ago. <laughs> oh. I hope everybody heard that. There is an actual Cthulhu toilet paper holder out there. My birthday is in September. Go. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, because y'all love me that much. Um, <laughs> now, what I really, really, really dig, because like I said, I'm a huge horror fanatic, and one of my favorite things to discuss with people who do horror and talk about zombies is there are some really great what people call zombie movies out there from, you know, George A. Romero anything to um, sure. like 28 Days Later. Now, my opinion, 28 Days Later technically isn't a zombie movie. It's a virus movie. Agreed. And yeah. I love to discuss virus versus zombies. And yeah. you went like one whole step and went, watch this, I'm going to do both. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, I, I mean, I, when I first started writing the book, I was, you know, I was picturing the kind of the more modern uh, runner, rabid kind of zombie. And, um, but I also, like, I, I, I love, I love the old um, Romero films. So, you know, Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite movies. And it, I, I kind of wanted some of those shamblers in there, in there as well. So, um, so er, pretty early in the in the first book, you know, they think they just have this one type of monster to deal with, and you know, they they dispatch a few of them, and then they come back, and they come back as as the the, the more traditional ghoulish un, undead zombie, and um, and that just continues throughout the series. Like the the curse continues to um, to kind of morph and and get and get stronger and worse. So that uh, new new variations on the on the the plague and the, and the zombies uh, continue to continue to surface. Yeah, and I mean, in all honesty, though, if you actually watch a lot of those movies, other than one movie, anytime you see something fast, one of those fast zombies, technically it's a virus. Twenty eight days later, it was a virus. Uh, yeah. World War II, it was a virus. When it cut, yeah. the only one is actually the remake of Dawn of the Dead, where there were fast zombies. Yeah. That's the only yeah. one to date that actually has fast technical zombies. And even Mr. George A. Romero, the man who gave us everything to be able to have zombie stuff, bless you because you have made my life complete with things like this. Even he said, yeah, that the, the very first zombie you see in the original Night of the Living Dead, he was a little too fast, but it was already done. The zombies are slow because they're rotting corpses. <laughs> All right, we're talking stiff ligaments, and yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah. But it's even scarier to think that, you know, you have this creature and it comes out to you. And, I mean, let's think about it. So you bite into this apple and it's cursed. And the queen, t- you find out, according to the queen, that true love's kiss will, sorry, <laughs> will, will save her and wake her up. But here you get this true love's kiss. And the first thing she does is she tries to eat him. And she's quick and she's fast and she's vicious. And, it, I mean, just the beginning of your book is just very fast-paced, slams you right into the action. There is no, oh, you're going to be pre- – no, there is no you're going to be prepared for this. It's just, wham, here you are. So, I mean, even the pace that you – it's funny because the way how you write, the pace of the book actually goes along with the pace of the creatures that you have. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, especially, especially the first book. It's yeah, it's, it is very much a you know like, it is a, it is a definite page turner, and it's it's just a, a constant barrage of of difficulties and challenges and threats um, for sure. 
Um, and I and love it, the fact that you also not only make it just about the zombies, there's also the turmoil within it with, you know, here's the doors and trying to figure out what's going here. And here you have, the, the you know, your main focus is Grumpy, um, who is uh, just sitting there and, you know, he's watching everybody. He's, you know, taking notes of everything. You can hear the wheels in his head turning as he thinks about everything. And you bring that human aspect or as you're in what you like to call swab or what I was calling swoo because obviously <laughs> we everybody reads words in different ways. Um, <laughs> you right. know, you can you bring that aspect in there, so you know it gives that little bit of for most people who probably watch what is the what the most popular zombie thing on television right now, The Walking Dead, where there's that uh, human aspect of it. You bring it in of what if this happens? You know, what if a person who's like this, how do they react in a situation like this? So there's also not just you know what's going on outside and this virus slash curse slash zombie apocalypse. But what's going on between behind the closed doors between the people who aren't effect, infected at this point? Right. Well, and that's and that's only exacerbated by the fact that, and you know, in, in my book, the the seven dwarfs, they're not just it's just not happenstance that they're out in the middle of nowhere, tending to this mine. They're 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 basically living in this sort of uh, a commune for um, for te- for te- basically for adolescent dwarves who have um, who have some adjustment issues, who have you know um, who are sort of wayward dwarves in in one way or another. You know, like Grouchy has his, his anger management issues. Mary is coping with depression. Um you've got Snoozy who's uh, who's got some drug addiction issues. So yeah, they've they're a they're a motley crew to begin with. And then you throw in this life threatening situation. So of course they're all there's a lot of distrust. There's a lot of, you know, differing opinions on how, how they can best do this and um I I part of that I think was definitely inspired by Night of the Living Dead. Like I just I love how and that, and in a lot of other zombie fiction, the zombies are almost like they're almost like the weather. They're like a storm, and and it's the real threat is 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 each other, you know. And uh, one of the things that always fascinated me with Night of the Living Dead is that, you know, you have this I can't remember remember his name, but you know, you have you have the basically the jerk who just wanted to hide in the cellar, and hide his oh, family yeah. in the cellar. And it, you know, he was a complete loathsome tool, but you know, he was kind of right. You know what I mean? Like, and that was what I thought was one of the interesting things about that movie that you know, if they just hid in the damn cellar, everything would have been fine. You know, and um. But uh, but they're, they're, you know they ended up not doing that. And they they made all these attempts to 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 get themselves out of this house and um, and really the guy who was kind of a jerk had had a pretty good point about just you know what let's just lay low and and so that always, I always thought that was a really interesting thing about that movie how and, and yeah I love the drama between the different characters that that's what makes it fun um, it's oh, cool yeah. to have you know the 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 threat of you know this this very life and death kind of threat but it's that that drama between the characters that that's where the story really comes to life I think. And I really love the way how, you know, you, you still give all the dwarves names, you know, so you keep with the old, you know, Disney tradition because most people don't realize in the original Grimm's fairy tale version of Snow White, they don't even have names. They're just no. the dwarves. Yeah. And, you know, Disney's actually the first one to ever give them names, and you continue with that, but I love how, like, you have Mary who deals with depression. Right, yeah. Or you take... Um, Dim, who's, you know, obviously dopey, and you take Dim, and he is smart as all can get out. He is brilliant and all. He actually is one of my favorite, you know, the way how you develop the, the dwarves, he is absolutely one of my favorites, and I am not going to tell you what happens, people. You're going to have to read it. Um, I can just say, dude, the way that you came up with Dim and, you know, the way how he functions was absolutely brilliant. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. He's he's well, he's a fun one to write because there's there's I'm 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 very uh, I'm very much a dialogue person. Like I could write I could write screenplays all day because it's just all for the most part all dialogue. You know what I mean? Like I, I love writing talking. And he's of course mute, so he you know you get a little bit with his sign language um, that he does. But um, it it was a challenge to write a character that doesn't talk. But then it actually became really it became a lot of fun because he's he's a character that that I've enjoyed writing. So, but yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad to hear you say that about him, about them. Oh yeah, he in all honesty, he was absolutely my favorite. And then of course, you know, you know what happened. So obviously, you know, you you obviously know what my reaction was in that situation. I'm like, really, really, <laughs> really. 
<laughs> you couldn't have taken really. You couldn't have really. Oh man, no. And that's about all you get from that. So to find out what really means, you have to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, when it comes to the books, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, you have four that are already out um, yeah. that are in eBooks. Two are actually now already out in well, we call them soft covers, but they're in hard. You know, they're they're in the hard you can hold in your hand edition. And you're selling this really amazing little thing next weekend on June 4th on Thursday um, in Kettering, Ohio, called uh, the it's a launch party for um, that uh, that wicked apple. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty stoked about this. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna be set up out at um, Eudora Brewing Company, which is which is here in Kettering. Um, for those that don't know, it's it's an amazing little uh, local um, microbrewery. Uh, one of the one of the cool things they do that none of the other ones in town do is they have um, well a couple things. One, they have their own little in-house um, brewing facility that you can that you can actually rent out, and they. So if you um, you can rent out their space to do your your home brewing, I, I don't know how many of you have, have done home brewing, but I've helped I've helped a few friends with it, and it is a colossal mess. I mean, like the, you know the the equipment's expensive, the cleanup is epic, and you know it, you basically trash your whole kitchen making a batch of beer. So the nice thing about Eudora is you can just you can go there, you can rent out their space, and you get access to their brewmaster who gives you some tips and you know kind of helps you along in the process. Um, another thing that's cool that they have is they have uh, an infuser so they can take like a batch of beer and for one night only they can infuse that beer with whatever flavor they so desire. So, so the night of my book launch, they're going to um, hook up some sort of apple flavoring to one of their, one of their concoctions and uh, actually have a, a wicked apple brew, just, just special one night only for, for the event. Um, we're also going to have zombie dogs there. They're a local food truck up here in Dayton that are, they are hugely popular. Anytime they, they show up somewhere, you've got a line half hour deep. Um, and the thing I'm really excited about is we've actually, we've got zombie Snow White herself is going to be, is going to be making an appearance. Um, so she'll be there to pose with, pose with people, uh, with fans and, uh, creep everybody out. And hopefully, hopefully she won't bite anyone. Hopefully, because I saw hopefully. how, I've read the books. So I see how quickly this thing transforms. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. Cause I'm sorry. I will be the first one. If she starts biting people, I will take everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you just actually had some fun with Miss Zombie Snow White herself doing a little photo shoot. Yeah, we um, we actually went out yesterday. Um, there's a uh, this is uh, Zombie Snow White is played by um, a Wright State Theater student named uh, Haley Dopkins, and she did an amazing job. She did perfect facial makeup. Um, um, she looked great in the in the in the dress, and uh, she just had great. Um, great use of her body and like, you know, doing these really creepy contortions. And uh, so we went out to, um, to Wright State's campus um, and our photographer was also a Wright State, uh, a film student at Wright State, Leanna Hornick. And she, uh, she got some amazing, amazing photos. Um, we have uh, on campus, we've got a little patch of woods there and in the, kind of in the middle of the woods, there's this old um, family, uh, the Rockefeller family cemetery, which is you know one of these old cemeteries where you can you can barely make out the, the dates and the names on a lot of the tombstones, you know, and um, and we just we got some amazing shots out there. We got some great shots on the trail. The thing that I did not account for and that I feel terrible about, although in, in hindsight it's it's kind of funny, is that um, it was Memorial Day, and that uh, old cemetery actually happens to be right next door to a to the anatomical gift program cemetery. So. There was while we're doing this film shoot of you know me and this gruesome bloody zombie Snow White. In the distance, we had these these families coming up and um, and you know paying their respects. And we we definitely got we definitely got some curious glances. I think <laughs> people the people that weren't expecting to see a, a zombie Snow White lurking in the woods on that day. Surprise, <laughs> kids! We took you to Disneyland, but it's a lot creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, <laughs> the really bad thing. So on our way out, um, we're kind of coming up this this one path to the parking lot, and there's this family, this whole family coming down the path. And <laughs> apparently, I didn't hear it, but one of the little one of the little kids who actually said, "Oh, it's Snow White." And then I'm sure, as you know, as they got closer, <laughs> and they could they could see that you know it's it's not just Snow White, it's it's a zombie Snow White. So, um, but there were no tears. I can confirm that. So just just some, oh, okay. some wide, very wide eyes. <laughs> 
Because there, there can be nothing worse than, you know, the parents going, you know what, I think I might just let my children watch Dumbo, Dumbo so they can watch the peak elephants on parade, because that'd be a lot less scarier than this. <laughs> <laughs> going back to how dark Disney was back in the old school days. Because yeah. you were... I'm... It was creepy. Some of the stuff that Disney ever came up with makes you wonder, oh, okay, how yeah, did I it mean... for you? Yeah, I mean, Dumbo is a trippy, trippy. I'm trying. I was just talking about this the other day. Yeah, Dumbo is a trippy movie. Like, there's some crazy stuff going on in there that I just, uh, I, I cannot imagine <laughs> would make it to a would make it to the screen on on a Disney screen these days. Yeah, there was a very different time for sure. There's a, there's a lot of things that wouldn't make it on the screen today from back <laughs> when we were younger. I mean, come this on, is, this not is true. a lot. There's not a lot of. I mean, other than what in uh, Beauty and the Beast, there's not a lot of alcohol flowing through Disney movies. I'm like, here, Dumbo, <laughs> take a swig of this alcohol. Matter of fact, why don't you just chug it and let's see what happens. What's the cutest thing we could come up with? Oh, <laughs> Pink Elephants on Parade. No, that's not right. going to scare anybody. Right. Let's have, yeah, let's have a whole scene where, where the main character is schnockered and hallucinating. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, um, first off, I drank in my past. I've never had that. That stuff was laced with something, first off. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you <laughs> trust me on that, the pink elephants, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just it's so, and and you know what? I would have to say that ties with you know the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Hey, let's get on this boat. Okay, Willy Wonka singing this really creepy song. Who's not scared yet? That is a terrifying scene, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. That's what, like, that's a really interesting movie because it has like some amazing. And when I say highs and lows, I don't mean like quality. I just mean like you know your emotional range. Just that movie sends you all over the place. I mean, there's some incredibly touching moments, and then just some deeply disturbing, <laughs> deeply disturbing moments. And uh, and I and I never and until I watched that in later years with my daughter, like I never realized like how just how insane Willy Wonka was. Like, he, I mean, he, he was, you know, pretty heartless. And, you know, the scene where, where Augustus falls in the, the chocolate river and is, is is drowning or, you know, going down to the depths and, and Willie's just like, you know, there's something like, um, it's like, Oh no, please stop. Don't, <laughs> you know, like clearly could give, could clearly, you know, give, uh, not a damn about, about this kid's face. <laughs> no, he couldn't. He's just like, help. Whatever, I'm gonna chew on my licorice here. I don't really care. Your kid just ruined my freaking river, and he's chunky, and now he's blocking up my pipe. You little yeah. bastard. <laughs> but but it is an up and down type movie because I mean you know yeah. you go through this heartache and he finally gets the golden ticket and then he lets everybody in and then you find out you don't know what a schnozberry is but you know the schnozberries do taste like schnozberries and then you go into the land of imagination song you're like oh this place is awesome and then yeah, the yeah. And you're like, okay, you heartless jerk. And then here's your educational programming song, but you're, as a kid, you're just kind of like bouncing to it because it's got this tune. And then everybody gets on the boat, and then you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, it just stopped everything. Like, this movie just literally went off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah, that movie, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that movie jumps the rails a lot. I don't even know if the movie has rails. It's just <laughs> it's a free-for-all. Or even, you know, there's the, the scene at the end where – where they get to the end of the tour and it's just Charlie and his and his um, his grandpa and and then Willy Wonka just goes off on the kid and you know like it's, and, I mean it's, I felt bad for the kid playing playing Charlie because like because Gene just went he just like he's yelling at him and then and then that's followed up by this totally amazingly sweet tender finale so I mean. <laughs> Now, now you know why that kid never went into acting and went to go, you know, make cheese and milk on a farm. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm done. <laughs> One yeah, movie with Gene Wilder, I never want to act again. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> now, getting back into, you know, some of the stuff here, you know, um, this with the scary tales, you have obviously other characters coming in, you know, um, do you also, you know, we see the Disney influences, we see Universal Monsters influence. Did you ever get to read some of the, you know, some of these tales before Disney got a hold of them? And do you use oh, any absolutely. aspects from the original Grimm? 
Oh, absolutely, yeah. I the the book that I ended up using the most, um, and I'm probably going to mess up the the exact name of it, but it's it's something. It's actually by um, Philip Pullman, who did the uh, the Golden Compass, his Dark Materials series, um, and he a few years ago he put out um, basically his interpretations of oh, like maybe 50 or 60 of the original Grimm's fairy tales, basically like handpicking his favorites, and um, and he stayed really loyal. To, to the original content. I mean, he would, you know, maybe update the language a little bit to kind of suit him. Um, a couple times he, he made a few minor story changes. But the cool thing is at the end of every story, he, he has his, uh, his author notes at the, end of every, at the end of every story. Basically, if he changed something from the original, he explains why or what his thought process was. And he talks a little bit about the history of the story. So it's this big, thick um, hardback book, but it, it kind of became my Bible for this series. Um, because there's there's a ton a ton of Easter eggs that I that I stash. I mean, by the by the time the series is over, all the major major fairy tales that everybody knows are going to be introduced. But I also hint at you know dozens and dozens more um, because I really I really wanted it to be uh, the world that this that this series takes place in. Sort of the you know this is where all of the fairy tales happen. So I, I try to bring in as many of them as I possibly can. Um, but they they were definitely I mean and the thing about about fairy tales is that you know, especially the originals, you know, there, there's so much darkness there already, and there's so much um, there's so much violence and and just stark symbolism that that adding in horror elements like it's it's not a stretch, you know, like it all it, it fits very nicely, you know, the the two the two so, genres yeah. pair well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people really, you know, most people only know the happy-go-lucky Disney version of a lot of these stories from The yeah. Little Mermaid's Happily Ever After Ending, which never happens because she dies. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, people, she dies. She does not get the guy. He runs up with somebody else, and she turns into seafoam. End of story. She was, you know... Cinderella gets her prince, but she gets justice after her sisters mutilate each other. And what they, what she right. does, to her stepmom, it just it's, oh my, it, it just makes you crazy. You know, makes my feet curl up just thinking about what happens with these feet. It's like the foot torture story is all Cinderella is. Yeah, um, basically. We're yeah. cut off our toes and hack off our heels too. I'm going to make my stepmom dance in iron shoes of coal that are heated <laughs> up. Yeah, no. Um, horror and um, fairy tales go really well hand in hand. Yes, they do. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, when, when somebody does get a happily ever after, we're still going to throw in a, oh, yeah, by the way, this, this, and this happened, just so you don't get to leave the book, you know, trolling to a happy ending. That right. just doesn't work that way in fairy tales. That's right. like, well, and that's, that's honestly, actually like the, the, you know, the opening opening line of dialogue in, in, in the whole series for, for, for my series is, you know, is Grouchy basically saying, you know, happily ever after my hairy ass, you know, and that's, that was very intentional. Like I wanted to, you know, get that out of the way, right, 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 right off the bat. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, and Grouchy is a great character. I mean, because he's not just, you know, he's not just, you know, when you, when you hear the word Grouchy, obviously because we're talking to doors, everybody just automatically gets this image of grumpy from, sure. um, you know, you know, Disney, or I hate to say it, but somebody goes, grouchy Smurfs done. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is, this is a really, it, it, he's a really complex type of character. Um, yeah, he's got some attitude issues, but in all honesty, it, he, he's like an ogre. He's got layers, people. And the way that you really developed him was absolutely brilliant. The way how, even though, you know, uh, it, the fact that, you know, you talk about how everybody has their horrors, which ends up being a really great way to talk about what's going on in their horrors. You know, everybody has their horrors, which we all do. You know, the thing sure. that uh, really, it's it's that little ticking thing, whether it's, you know, we have to battle with depression, if we have, you know, anxiety, if we're just, you know, a little foul mouth, but I love the fact that the reason why he's a foul mouth is because that's the way he had, it's a way for him to let out the fact that he doesn't let anything out. Right. Right. Yeah, that, was, that was part of his, his therapy more or less was just to get it out. Yeah. 
Like, how do, how do I get that therapy? Okay, you're allowed to cuss, and it's okay because it's part of your therapy. Okay, great. <laughs> I think we all need some of that therapy, I think. <laughs> I'm told if I cuss too much, I look unprofessional, so wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the way how you develop them, whether, you know, the character stayed for a while or if it was, you know, just a brief moment, because there are characters that only get to be here for a brief moment. You yeah. took time to develop them from whether it was the prince and just the way how he talked or, yeah. you know, seeing and see, you know, your character development of Snow White and the way that she is. You know, why she, you know, even in this after realm, why she is, the way, how, why she's so aggressive and how it contrasts, contrast, yet complements who she was before because everybody just has this picture of, oh, Snow White. She's, like, perfect and nothing's ever right. wrong, but you start developing the character of Snow White into a way that she really feels more human than what Disney ever portrayed her to be. Right. Well, and, that, and that's what I wanted because I... The the problem that that you that I ran into when you're when you have so you have Snow White and you have this iconic scene where she she takes an apple from a complete stranger, even though she knows she's being pursued by dark terrible forces. You know she she knows she's she's under threat, meets a complete stranger in the woods and takes an apple, and um, so you know you've either got a character a character that's that's just naive and and frankly an idiot or you have someone who's um who's not completely in their in their right head during that moment and so i kind of opted for the latter and then worked backwards from there and i was like okay so what was up with her and uh the solution i came up with is you know what she maybe she was hung over and okay so she's hung over why and then you know what is she why was she why did she get why did, why was she drinking and and it, it comes in in this flashback flashback with her and her and grouchy the night before she drinks the apple, they they stay up late and they they have a few drinks and they they talk and um, it's actually a really nice scene. But so yeah, I I, I kind of opted. You know, it's like you to to make that moment happen. You can either have kind of a really dim Snow White or you can have a troubled Snow White. And I I, I thought a troubled character was better than a character that just didn't have any sense. You know that and. Um, she's definitely, you know, she's not, she's probably not a role model of a character, but yeah, I'm glad you said that she, she came through as, as real because that's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a character that was real, not some perfect little princess. Um, yeah. And it actually, those, all those those flashback scenes with, with her and Grouchy, those are my favorite from, from the first book. I mean, there's, there's a lot of great action in that book. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like creepy moments and then really horrifying moments. But I, I I love those flashback scenes the most. Those are the ones that were the most fun to write. You know where where which which basically tells the story of how you have this basically this dwarf who who doesn't like humans, who's in fact pretty much a racist. You know that and how he falls in love with this human human girl over over the course of of you know the the weeks that she spent there at the at the cottage with the dwarves. Right. And, you know, and the way how you do the flashbacks, I love how, you know, especially in the first book, like every flashback is definitely because he sees something, he senses something, and you get that real quick flashback, you know. It's just enough to give you a little bit of backstory, but it isn't like you're doing like a whole prequel in the middle of this epic story that you're doing, which is really nice. Sort of like how all the superhero movies at this point need to do flashbacks for their origin and not just throw in the origin at this point. We know the story. Just give us right. enough to right. see your story. Right. Yeah. So many well, and it's, you know, the, in the first, I mean, the, this, this, the book went through a lot of early early uh, drafts and rewrites and in the first book, I mean, there were, there were so many, the, there were so many flash, flashbacks in that first draft and all the all the dwarfs got all this backstory that was well, a lot of it. I will weave in later, but just a lot of it wasn't necessary. And like, I, I hated to get rid of it, but it was, it slows down the story. You know, like you, you definitely have to keep things moving at a pace. Um, so it was riddled with flashbacks and I, I very much reined that back so that it was just grouchy and, uh, and snow and the, the, the moments that they shared together. And I think it's a lot stronger book for having, having stripped a lot of that stuff out. 
Well, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I really did. Matter of fact, as I'm watching this, I'm going, dude, somebody needs to go ahead and start casting everybody because this would be making this <laughs> a great movie or something. Yeah, I could make I would a, love that. I would love to make a fan film of this. This would be great. <laughs> yeah. it, would be, it would be epic to watch. I think it really would be. Um, going back, though, to your character design, because um, I really yes. did want to touch on this, but I got a little segue as soon as you start talking about the flashback. Yes. Yeah. In all honesty, I always thought Snow White to be the dumbest broad on the face of the earth. And in all honesty, Snow White was never my favorite character ever. Yeah, yeah. She never was. Well, yeah, no, it's, like, and it's, yeah, it's a great story, and it's, a, it's an awesome the, – the original cartoon is, is brilliantly illustrated. And, I mean, it's, the symbolism is great, but, yeah, just her as a character like, – yeah, no, not even, – even my daughter at a very young age, you know, said, like – that wasn't very smart for her to, to take that apple. Like, I mean, you know, it's just, no, all, not a good move. Honestly, I rooted for the queen because at least she, you know, she had more character development than Snow White ever did. <laughs> Agree. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, first thing, you know, oh, great. So you you got hair of, you know, coal and lips of ruby red and skin as Snow as White. Who are you? You have no personality. Oh, you can talk to the animals. So can every other Disney princess ever created. (laughs) You know, at least, you know, Sleeping Beauty, Aurora has an excuse because she doesn't know she's hiding away from anybody. She thinks that's her life. She has an excuse to be retarded. You don't. (laughs) Some dude literally just said, run away because I was hired to kill you, and you ended up here. That doesn't make you safe. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Moron. So, no, having finally seen a Snow White that isn't completely retarded was actually quite a refreshing thing. So I'm like, hey, you know, I can probably dig this character now. <laughs> right on. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I – and that's, you know, like I, I wanted um, – you know, as, as a dad, I've always – you know, I've got to think about um, eventually my, my daughter's going to read these books. So, yeah, I'm, I, I definitely want to – I want to put and, – and we we watch a lot of old movies – you know, and we we watched a lot of the old Universal movies together, and and like, and she gets frustrated, and I totally understand why. I'm, I'm the same way that you know, there's just there's that basically in a lot of those, a lot of the older movies, you know, be it TV movies, what have you, you know, the the women are basically there to be victims, they're there, they're there to be saved. They've got you know very little real personality or motivation, and um, so that's that's always something that's kind of in the back of my mind. And um, one of the fun things in the, I think it's the seventh book of the series. It's all like it's it's all it's almost all female character point of view. Like so, you go from this first book, which which granted is very dude heavy. You know, it's just it's these dwarves. Um, to the later books, you, it's it's almost all female characters, and and hopefully some some pretty strong ones. And that's and that was actually something else I really wanted to touch on is you know as the books are progressing. And what's going on widens the amount of character, you know, it's almost like, the you know, as you expand, everything expands. So you're not just, you know, not around this, like, the first book is very centered, very confined around this little yeah. area. But as this virus spreads, so does the characters and the interactions and the things like that. The books and the writing flow with what's exactly going on in this world that you've created. Yeah, and it, and that just continues. Like as as the books progress, like it just gets it goes from this very you know super local threat that's very immediate to something that's just epic. You know, like that to, to where it's it's basically threatening everything. You know, it's it, it it's it gets global more or less. You know, um, and that's and that was very much I, I wanted it to just keep growing and get getting more dreadful and and more more um, um, painful for for everyone involved. I guess. And then now another uh, something you mentioned a second ago is that one thing that really bothers me in uh, in zombie stories, apocalyptic stories, is when is is when too many characters just keep surviving. You know what I mean? Like if if you want right. to be realistic, people aren't going to live through this. You know, like people are going to die. You know, not everybody, but but people are. So I've one thing I've really tried to to stick with is um, is just that you know. Um, that even even in cases where like there's a character that I feel like I have more to say with and I could do more with, it's like you know what they got to go. You know, so um, so yeah, it's 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 definitely not a series where where you should feel um, comfortable that everyone's going to survive because um, because yeah, I like I like to have those surprise deaths that just that just that just knock you for for a loop. 
Guess what, people? They may say this for The Walking Dead, that no one is safe, but in all honesty, this this kicks right up there for all of you anime fans for Attack of the Titan. Yeah, no one is safe. Don't get attached. Just don't do it. <laughs> just, just seriously, don't do it. Um, and you know what's even cooler, though, about yours is, you know, you don't just stop with, you know, virus to zombie. Just as, you know, the world expands and the virus, the virus itself even expands. Because I know, even though I have, I'm just starting into the third book, um, okay. I know that you bring in another aspect of what happens where those that are already dead start rising, and now you have, like, these skeleton thingies that I, all I can picture is Army of Darkness, sorry, it's just where my mind goes. Yeah. No, that's, and, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's spot on. Yeah, and yeah, I wanted, um... got to talk well, a little bit about this, because what they can do is just amazing. Yeah, so, like, um, there's a, there's a scene where, I love, I love it when characters try to resolve something, but they only make it worse. So there's a, I'm not gonna, I don't want to do any spoilers, but Basically, they do something at the end of the second book to try to make everything all better, and it backfires, and it, it, it doesn't help things at all. And as a result, you have this giant, basically this giant infected cloud um, that rises up and, and starts raining. And then once that gets down into the soil, then all, those, all the skeletons, all the dead, anything, you know, even stuff that was, you know, pre- Things that died pre-curse are now rising up out of the grave, and they're these. But I didn't want. We already had, you know, these shambling zombies, so I wanted something worse. So, um, so yeah, I think I kind of, I, you know, I thought of um, just, just what if just the bones, because that's what's most likely going to be left down there anyway. You know, there's just these mucky, slimy black bones coming up out of the soil. Um, but then it's like, well, but they're not confined by muscle or flesh, and. Um, so even when you, you know, you knock one of the skeletons down, the bones can reform and the things are even worse, these crazy scorpion creatures or spider-like things. And, um, and basically you just have to keep smashing them and smashing them until they're, until they're shards. And that's the only way to stop them. So, so yeah, it, it definitely, the creepers definitely ramp up the, uh, the danger factor of the curse for sure. Yeah, because how do you kill something that has no pulse, no brain, no nothing? <laughs> right, I mean, right. <laughs> Pound it to dust. Pound it into dust. Basically, yeah, just keep swinging. Just keep swinging. Um, well, good thing it's dwarves. They know how to sling pickaxes and stuff. Exactly. They are <laughs> lucky for them. Everybody else, run. Just run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just get out of there. So, so I am. I am excited to see you know where this is going to go. I mean, like I said, I'm just into the third. You have four out. Lucky for me, I actually have all four copies, so I get to read up at least until the fourth one. I'm actually really excited to see where this goes because I mean, you. In all honesty, from the moment that you pitched this to me, and I and I love your tagline for it. Your your tagline for this is probably one of the greatest taglines I've ever heard. What if the curse didn't stop at true love's kiss? I love that tagline that is a great tagline oh, thank you. Use it forever and ever and ever that's yours <laughs> I, you know even i'd be like one where's my tagline that is a, that's per, that just sums this up perfectly because you know everybody where no matter where you are in the disney universe and i mean everybody who ever now hears true love's kiss only thinks about <laughs> that in, um what is it enchanted movie where she's singing true love's kiss that's all you can right. think of nowadays <laughs> you know now you're going, now go back and watch that movie after reading these books, and you're like, um, no, 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 no. You don't want that, trust me. But, you know, I just love the fact that you use that as a tagline, and going back into the first book, you know, you have Grouchy, and he's sitting there, and he has this, you know, this epiphany in the middle of all of this going, what if I was actually the true love? You know, I truly did love her. What if I kissed her and not that douche? You know, yeah, and yeah. it makes and that, sense. Yeah, and that's and that idea sticks with him, and it haunts him for several books. Like, what if, what if all we need to make this go away is is me kissing Snow? Um, so yeah, that that and of, which of course is a bit of a risk because you know then you're kissing a zombie. But uh, yep, that he 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 does ponder that for a while. And I also have to say, I want to give you kudos because you did one of the few things that I've only seen in one other zombie thing ever, which is The Walking Dead. Nothing, whether human or dwarf or animal, is safe. 
Because for the longest time, zombies wouldn't need anything but human flesh. Now they've developed to going, oh, it moves. I can eat it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, but then, yeah, and that's that's actually um, in the very first scene of the book when, when, when Snow wakes up, it's like it triggers something in all the animals, and they and you know the birds all fly up in the sky. The animals all take the only the only one animal that doesn't get away is the prince's horse, which because he's you know he's roped down, he's 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 stuck, um, and you know the the horse doesn't last very long. But um, but you'll you'll find out in later books like what was up with you know why why did all the animals run and where where have all the animals gone, um, and that'll that'll all be explained later, for sure. Well- in, in, in all honesty, though, my opinion, we all know that animals have a heightened sense that we don't, you know. Exactly. Animals are the ones go, oh, tornado, and we're waiting for sirens to go off. Like, right, mm, right. I wonder if it's okay. Should I still sit here and try to get that last level of candy crush, or should I go to the bathroom while all the animals are, like, gone hibernating and everything, like, <laughs> dude, put it down. You know, so animals definitely have this heightened sense. I mean, even the animals knew law. Even if you watch a lot of the Disney movies or any of the fairy tale movies, animals know straight off the bat, no, that's evil. No, don't touch it. No, don't do this. Hey, stupid, listen to me. You listen to me when we sing songs. Why can't you listen to me now? <laughs> so as soon as, you know, everything went boom, it's oh, they know that this curse has gone far beyond what it originally was, and they can sense yeah. it and howdy. Like, nah, douches, you know, <laughs> I'm going as far away from this. If I was, if this was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I would be off this planet. Come <laughs> <laughs> um, in the air, hitching a rise, out. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, animals know. They'll they'll be gone, except for, like, one yeah, of my animals. He's just retarded, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 uh. Yeah, I mean, dogs are all, like especially dogs. Like, I think are just great judges of character. Like, I think like if 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 your dog likes, a, you know, if you bring somebody over and your dog seems to approve, like that's always a good sign. You know. <laughs> I've actually told people that in the past. Oh, my dog doesn't like you. We can't date. <laughs> I can see that. I'll be honest. I will choose who I can and cannot date based off of my dog. Oh no, she doesn't like you. Go away. No, 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 no. I can't do that with my cat. Unfortunately, one of, one out of my four cats likes everybody. Like, he That's will walk up to the big, baddest dog, and he does this little head rubby thing. He's like, hi, my name is Ty, and I love everybody, and you need to love me too, and I'm going to rub on you until you pet me because that's how lovable I am. And I'm like, yeah, you're the first one that dies in apocalypse. That's no. <laughs> Mine, like, will get my – I have a cat, Drake, and he – he likes to perch like right on my chest and just like just go at my beard. Like I mean, he just he just rubs at it and like that's that's his that's his thing. Like that that's what makes him happy. And like and somehow even though he's a pretty heavy cat, like I can be lying on the couch watching watching TV and then like I'll just realize that he's he's on my chest and like I have no recollection of him getting there. I don't know how how he did it, but like somehow he just appears and he's there. And and yeah, he is he's like um he's like a little puppy brain inside a, a gigantic cat body. It's the he chases his own tail, he's very playful, he loves people, he's very chatty, he's he's basically a little puppy. You know what? Can I have your cat? Because my cat I know when mine gets there because mine hasn't learned how to walk without his claws out. <laughs> so as soon as he jumps up, ah, hi, get off me. Out it hurts. Punch your hands. <laughs> but no, I, and I, I, you know, I under, you know, I really do understand animals. You know, I, I better. I have four cats and a dog in this house, so you know, I really uh-huh. do watch, you know, their reactions with everybody. Yeah, this little itty bitty apartment with all of these action figures and all of these prints and everything. <laughs> four cats and a dog. And the best part is they don't knock anything over. They're like, (laughs) we brought in a fourth um, this past winter. Um, His name's Vader, and now he's like the size of the Goodyear blimp. He he went from scrawny, lethargic, uh, outside abuse cat to this whale. Like, I don't know what, he just blew up. And the first time he went to touch something, all the other cats stopped, and even the dog stopped and went, we don't touch mommy's collectibles. Just don't do it. She'll kill you over that. So, 
it, it's, a, it's a training process, but they learn real quickly. Don't touch it. But, yeah, animals, animals will always know when there's danger first. I've always told somebody, oh, look, birds are flying. Got to go. <laughs> See that huge, massive amount of birds that is just like this huge migrating and it's not time to migrate? It's time to go. This is bad. <laughs> or when you go outside at night and there's nothing out there, you hear no crickets, no nothing, I walk right back inside. I'm not, uh-uh. Yeah, that ain't good. No, no, no. <laughs> That's never good. And they and anybody who watches horror movies knows that too. Wait, do you hear that? I hear nothing. That's the point. One. <laughs> go inside. Don't go up the stairs though, because as soon as you go up the stairs you're dead. You know that. Right. <laughs> now, you said that you know you like universal monsters and everything. So I do have to ask, you know, I know that you started with zombies and everything, but I have to ask, with someone like you who likes to watch Universal Monster movies, which one would probably be your favorite out of them? Of the Universal? Mm-hmm. Oh, the Wolf, the Wolfman, without without question. I I just I love um I love um Lon Chaney Jr.'s uh, portrayal of, of Larry Talbot. Like it's so it's so nuanced and so uh sympathetic and you just you really feel for this guy. Um, I think the the makeup in that movie is just incredible. The cast is is wonderful. Um, it's it's just uh, it, to me it's it's just like a perfect old horror movie. Like I, I watch it at least once a year, um, and I just I love it. And uh, so yeah, for, so when in the third book I get to definitely mix in some of those elements. So that's that's a lot of fun. I just I've all, I've always just I've loved the concept of werewolves. Um, my favorite superhero is Batman because, like a werewolf, you know, you've got a guy that's regular, normal during the day, and then he takes the form of this creepy creature at night. And um, something about that just very much appeals to me. Like, I, I don't know, on a very basic level, um, the idea of, of of someone taking the form of a beast, and um, I don't know. It's so so. Yeah, that the third book's probably probably my favorite, just for just for the fact that it it, it introduces uh, Red and and uh, her wolf companion Kane. Nice. And, yeah, I do get that. You know, the Wolfman, you know, it's so much more than just a horror story because there's all that human drama. And, whether you know, a lot of people will scoff at human drama, but if you really pay attention, it's the human drama that actually drives the movie. Nothing's good without a really good storyline. Well, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, as a writer, you get to learn that, you know, that there's, there's the external conflict in the story, and that's you know that's the werewolves, that's the ship sinking, that's you know whatever that you're physically confronted with. But then you know you've got your internal conflict, and and that's that's what drives the story. That's what makes people relate to the characters, and um, and and yeah, and then the Wolfman's just a great example of that because it's it's all about um, what's going on in this in this poor guy's head, and then and uh, and I think it was you know for. I just uh, I think the acting in that is 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 just spot on, and I, I think the it's it's uh, it's it's a good example of you know how yeah I mean you have you have this monster creature, but you know there's so much more than that. There's it's so much deeper than that, and um, it's not as simple as as good versus evil. You know you know what I mean, which which is fine. But how often in life is it really are things really as simple as black and white and and good versus evil? Right, and and that's the whole thing, you know. It, it's it's so much better when you have all those gray areas and you can really bring people in and then you know you have and people have to think well is that you know is that really the right way or you know there's nothing more torturous for a person who has to do something that they know they have to do but it's tearing them up inside that they have to do it and you have to watch that struggle that is you yeah. know that is one of those horrible struggles and I'm just thinking you know doesn't you know, poor Grouchy, <laughs> eventually, <laughs> it's coming. I know it because I'm only in the third book, and he's going to sit there, and it's going to tear him apart. Now, I, I, I see a lot of cuss words coming out of his mouth because, I mean, in all honesty, when an evil queen puts a curse, she puts a curse. She, she's not retarded. <laughs> okay, everything will be fine with a kiss. Nope. Just kidding. My bad. <laughs> Enjoy that. That was funny. I'm going to sit here and watch. This is entertaining. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, literally, I mean, you have to, you have to just, just sit back and just sit there from the queen's perspective, and then she starts getting these reports, and she goes, awesome. <laughs> She's like, dumbasses. 
Because, <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, if I was her, that is exactly what I'd be doing. My queen, <laughs> yes. There's blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And as soon as the guy walks away, idiots. Grinning. The uh, the queen Queen Adora is is probably like my of of all the characters in the book she's probably my favorite like she yeah, she starts off as you know a very you know very harsh very you know very cruel in many ways character and and she has I think just just a, a great character arc and uh, she's and her any scene with her and Grouchy is just fun because they're both pretty prickish you know what I mean so like it's it's just fun to watch them jab at each other and um, yeah they're they're a lot of fun to write. Well, we are almost out of time. We've got five minutes left. So, of course, okay. uh, again, to recap, you know, um, guys, you know, if you are not doing anything next week on June 4th, which happens to be a Thursday from 6 to 9, you go to the Eudora Brewery Brewing Company, which is at 4716 Wilmington Pike in Kettering, Ohio, and That's come right. out to the launch party for that wicked apple and get yourself some zombie dogs and this awesome wicked apple brew that they're going to have there. Get yourself a copy of Now, you're going to have both of them there, right, those books? Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna have, I'll be uh, selling and signing both. I'm also going to have a bunch of a uh, bunch of great door prizes. We've got some horror DVDs, got some horror books, a few other little goodies, gift cards, things like that. So, so yeah, we're going to try to make it as, as fun as we can. Um, oh, if, if I can, I'd also like to mention another uh, – Another thing I've got going on, uh, if, if there's any horror fans out there, um, now through um, May 31st, I'm doing a, a little partnership with iHorror.com, which is a, like a horror news website. And um, anyone who signs up for this contest, it's called the Inner at Your Own Risk Contest. Anyone who signs up, um, we're gonna what we're, what we're gonna do is um, we're gonna pick one winner. I'm going to write a, uh, a personalized horror story, a short horror story for that winter, and it's going to be published on, uh, on iHorror.com later this summer. Um, and it's, it's not some cookie-cutter uh, story where I'm just going to insert someone's name in it. Like, I'm actually going to send a survey to the person and, you know, find out what makes them tick, find out what scares the hell out of them, and then write a story uh, that will hopefully do just that. Uh, so I'm, I'm really super pumped about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I know the people at iHorror are excited. We've already gotten a bunch of a bunch of entries, but um, like I said, we're we're accepting entries for that through uh, through May 31st. Yeah, you all can enter, but um, I'm going to go win that. <laughs> I think you do. I have always wanted to die in a story. I don't know. You know, there's very, there's very few things some people really crave to be able to do. That's one of mine. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you, spiders, spiders scare the crap out of me there, all right? Four monsters, I can eat those. <laughs> spiders, no. I ran away from a spider and got bit by an alligator, so no, I don't do spiders. There's my, that and thunderstorms. I'm afraid of thunderstorms. There you go, all right? I, I need a thunderstorm buddy, and I need to be away from spiders, and I'm a very happy person. <laughs> my My very first apartment was infested with spiders like I would come home and there would be like at any given day I would come home and there would be like six or seven just out on the walls in plain sight and we're and we're talking like gruesome little hairy nasty red things and and uh I mean it used to it really freaked me out there was one night and where I had fallen asleep and I actually like I I dreamed that they were that they all came out of the walls and they were they were all over me and I actually like I woke up running out of the bedroom, like slamming at my, you know, slapping at myself and everything, trying to get these spiders off. It's the only time I've ever woken up still dreaming. And like, you know, I'm like flailing, trying to get these things off of me. Scared the hell out of me. Creepiest, creepiest dream I've ever had. Okay, <laughs> you're scaring me and I want my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, trust me, my mom will tell you. She gets a call, all right? Mommy, <laughs> what? There's a spider in my bathtub, and I want to take a shower. <laughs> and I'm ta- and that's like pretty much the conversation. This was about a month ago. I opened up the shower curtain, and it fell right out of the towel, and I went, Mommy! Oh, wow. <laughs> Here's the problem. 
And this isn't one of those big, like, size of your hand spiders. We're talking, like, the tip of your fingernail spider. (laughs) (laughs) I can't get into my bathroom. I'm not going anywhere near it. My mom's like, squish. Really? 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 She just squishes it and walks up and like, I don't like you. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> see, we really segwayed off of what we were originally talking about. Other than um, this um, event that you have going on, where can people also pick up these amazing books, whether they want to get um, the, the soft cover of both, you know, what they can have hard in their hands of the two that you have out now, or if they want to go ahead and get an e-book style, where can they find them? They are. Um, all the all the major online retailers will have them. Uh, that's everything from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Google Play, iTunes. Um, all of those are going to have the books in stock. And actually, the, the first book in the series, um, an e-book, is actually on sale for free right now. So you can you can try the series out for free. If it, if it hooks you, then, then you can stick with it. Oh, well, we all know we like the price of free. And then, of course, you know, to keep updated on when, you know, since there's nine books and only four out at this point, to keep updated with what's going on, I know you're on Facebook um, at Rob, R-O-B, capital E dot Bowley, B-O-L-E-Y. And then Mm -hmm. um, you're also on Twitter under Rob Bowley, all lowercase. Uh, Do you have a website or anything else? Yep. My uh, my website is robbowley.com. That's R-O-B-B-O-L-E-Y.com. Um, you can also sign up for my email newsletter on my website, and um, I send out a message about once a month just filling everyone in on what I've got going on. And I, I'm usually pretty generous about rap- doing at least one raffle prize a month, uh, so I'll give something away, be it an e-book or a, a signed book, something like that. Um, plus, when you when you sign up for my email newsletter, you automatically get a free short story. Nice. Yeah, I'm all about the freebies. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, real quickly, I mean, I realize that it's 8 o'clock and all, but you've done some incredible short stories on top of everything else that you've done as well. Yeah, yeah, I've had some pretty good luck getting um, getting getting some stories placed here and there. Um, and uh, actually, the, the first one I got, I, I had um, published was, uh, was a sort of a, a dark take on, on Cat in the Hat. Um, and, uh, it's a really, again, it's another example of having a child that insists on reading or seeing the same thing again and again and again and again, and then eventually you see the darkness. So, yeah, I, I, I read you know, Cat in the Hat, and that Cat in the Hat comes back several, several times, and there was a story there, a, dark, a darker story there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've had, I've got, I've got one story uh, that, that was adapted for, um, for Pseudopod, a, a werewolf story, one of my one of my favorite genres, um, and then yeah, I've I've had a, a few anthologies and some other other magazines as well. Yeah, I mean, I almost totally forgot to start mentioning your short stories. I'm like, wait, 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 we didn't cover that either. <laughs> I guess that means you know what that means. We're just gonna have to have you back another time. That way we could cover all of your short stories, and then by then, you know, I know that you got another one coming out in October. Absolutely. I think in October we're gonna have to bring you back and talk about another book, and then we can hit up on some of your short stories because obviously an hour is just not enough time for the great Rob really? Ebel. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I would love to come back. That would be I would be thrilled too. Anytime. All right, well, great. You know, um, I do want to say it has been such a pleasure having you here. Um, of course, you know, I really did enjoy the books. I think I think it was meant to be for, you know, you to be at Gem City and for me to be at Gem City so this could happen. It's our destiny. <laughs> awesome. um, but thank you so much for taking time out, and thank you so much for wanting to do this show. It really does mean a lot to me. I hope oh, that you had you. a lot of fun. I did. I did. It was, it was great chatting. Are you real quick? Are you gonna um, Are you gonna be at Tricon in Columbus? Um, when it, what date is that again? It's in August. I'm not sure the exact date. I'm not sure. Um, I believe I have plans to go. Um, just Please? because I am friends with the guys that are doing that, so yeah, I should be there. Um, oh, cool. my next. Um, my next big thing is actually this Saturday, there's this Mario Kart event here in, um, it's right outside of Oxford by Houston Woods. Um, oh, wow. There's going to be, yeah, there's going to be real live Mario Kart, like little pedal carts where you could throw phone oh, turtles, turtles at people. Yeah. Um, you remember oh, wow. on Facebook, 
send you the invite to it. Um, it's going to be really cool, and it's only like 10 bucks per person. That gets you into the event and to have fun, and they're going to have all these vendors, and they have an N64 tournament, and they've got a wow. Magic the Gathering tournament, a Lego Firewalk, um, and that actually lets you camp Saturday night and a Sunday, too, that $10. Yeah. So that's actually wow. cool. Yeah. So I'll definitely so send awesome. you that <laughs> yes, we these do. powers to be friends with people on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll send that over to you. And then um, after that, um, I have uh, Derby City Comic Con, um, which is June 20th and 21st, because that is the second of two conventions that I work for. Sweet. Okay, cool. But yeah, I do believe I'm set up for Tricon. I just don't have my calendar of all of all the. 450,000 conventions that are here this yeah, year. Really. It's crazy <laughs> how many there are now. Yeah, totally. So um, I will definitely try to swing by Thursday since you're only 45 minutes to an hour away from me. So yay for Ooh. being close by me. Yay, because, you know, I really want to check this out. It'd be, it'd be nice to give you some, you know, props and be able to get some photos for you, you know, so you could put up on Facebook. And um <laughs> and of course, you know, you're always welcome back to the show. We'll definitely hook up with you. That way we can get you back in October so we could talk about the new book as some of your short stories. And of course, everybody, make sure you know you go follow him on Facebook, Twitter, check out his website, robboley.com. And of course, go check out that, you know, you are more than welcome to sign up with that old, the whole ihorror.com thing. But beware, <laughs> I'm winning that. Y'all don't get a choice in that. <laughs> and then, of course, for any of you people out there that are new, um, again, my name is Amanda Gillum. You can follow me on Facebook. It's Amanda Gillum. It's spelled like William, but with a G instead of the W. Or you can follow me over on Twitter, which is LadyVader79. Remember, AGP is every Tuesday live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we have so much more coming for you with next week's guest. We have Chuck Moore who will be here for Derby City Comic Con. We have Gary Church from Twilight Star Studio. We have Brian Latimer, who is just a phenomenal artist, and so many more people coming. And, of course, we all know that Rob will be coming back in October. So, you know, always, you know, follow me. Keep updated with what's coming up with AGP. We are always here to bring you the best in geekdom. Again, we want to say thank you so much to Rob Bully for taking time out of his busy, wicked schedule to take a <laughs> bite out of his time here with us. So we appreciate that and of course to everybody out there we thank you for joining us we all hope that you have a nice night and just if you see any if you see animals running from the woods you might want to lock your doors and hide under your sheet until this virus because it's going to be nine books long so you know this could be like harry potter epicness so you might just want to hide under the sheets for a while until then, may all your nights be creepy and let the dreams of horrors just flow. We all wish you a wonderful night, and thank you all for joining us. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.